Hey guys, welcome back to Vertical Momentum. I'm your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, you're going to want to make sure you subscribe to this episode because my friend Clark is going to be dropping some serious knowledge. You've seen him on TV, movies, uh, magazines. He's the Swiss Army Knife of Fitness. Clark, welcome to the show, my brother. How are you doing? The Comeback Coach. I love it, man. So many people are in need of a comeback. I'm doing great, my friend. And I'm excited to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to come on to speak to the people you're serving. It's you now it's my blessing. And like I said, um, I was talking to you earlier. I I've been with I was on with GNC for over 30 years on and off. And we got deployed in, in the National Guard in 2003. And I'm watching a movie with all my guys, Batman movie. And whose face do I see but yours? And I got so excited. I said. I know that dude. I actually have his magazine in my rucksack and I pull it out and I showed it to him. So that's how far um, I go back with following you and supporting your mission. So tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into being the position that you are today. You know, it's interesting that that question comes up a lot. And there's there's two answers to that question. One is the spiritual answer and the other is the business answer. I realize in this moment, in every moment that I have the opportunity to really reflect on what I do, that I was created for this moment. I was created to do what I do. I was created to inspire men over 50 and be an encouragement, an educator, a motivator, a fan, a servant leader. And then as I passed through my 50s and started really observing what it looked like to be a man over 50, I realized there was a big gap. There, there was someone needed to step in and fill the need, right? In sales, it's find the need, fill the need, close the sale. So with that in mind, I'm like, okay, I found a need. There's a lot of very successful men in every aspect of their life, with the exception of the physical part, because they denied that part in order to support their family and all of these great noble things. But when they get around 50, 55, 60, they're like, okay. I have everything else, but I'm not in the body that I want to be in because let's admit it, we're all narcissistic. We all want to look good and we should all want to look good. So I'm like, okay, because I was created to do what I do and because I look the way I look and have the ability to communicate, I feel like this is a great opportunity for me to come in here and provide this information to men who might not connect with somebody else or may have tried everything else. And that's what I'm finding is when men finally find me, They've already tried personal trainers at the gym. They've already tried online coaches, keto, intermittent fasting, all of these things that they hope will work, but maybe haven't worked. So I hit them back with a different modality or protocol. So. Okay, so then that brings me to another question. Like I said, I've been in, I was in the health and fitness industry for over 30 years, which it's a pretty long time. But there was a lot of people that were in the health and fitness industry that have come, gone, are no longer relevant, or they kind of just faded out. How did you stand the test of time? Because e even though it's a very healthy industry, it can be a very unhealthy industry also. Brother, you couldn't have said it better. It is very unhealthy for the most part when you get very niche down into some of the hardcore things that people do, bodybuilding, and some of these 
I mean, even CrossFit is horrible for people if they go in it too hard and, and hurt themselves. So I realized early on that I didn't have anything to prove to anyone. I wasn't trying to be too big. So I didn't get on all the drugs. I wasn't trying to be too successful. So I didn't burn out. I was trying to last. I knew that there was an evolutionary process in life and in business. We go from one thing to the next and not really knowing what the thing would be for me now. I knew that if I just was faithful in the little things that eventually the next thing would show up. And if I was smart, I would be aware of what that was and then move into that new part of who I was as a person. And that's all I do. I just continue to evolve and I never really burn out like a lot of these guys. And I, I, I guess the fortunate thing for me was I was a, a late bloomer. I was one of those kids that, that, you know, didn't have any hair on my wiener when I was 14 years old and everybody else was like, I'm like, Oh, is that what I'm supposed to look like? I, I was one of those kids, but now it's working to my advantage because I'm that, 60 year old guy basically that people are looking at going damn all right if this is possible for him it's possible for me and it is so when you were coming up like i i guess we're almost about the same age um i, I always liked frank zane frank zane i thought i thought had one of the one of the perfect bodies. he was very you know very symmetrical so who were some of the fitness people that you started to look up to when you first started coming up there you go <laughs> i was just at his house the other day so jack lane was my guy jack and i were really good friends and maybe some people don't even know who he is on here depending i know your demographic is 50 something year old guys but anyone younger might not know who jack is to this day even though he's no longer with us on this earth he still is the pioneer of the health and fitness movement in our Western culture. Even though there were guys before him, he was the one that brought it in to everyone's home through television. And he was just a fantastic mentor of mine and a coach. So I always looked to Jack for advice and guidance and information and encouragement. I spent a lot of time with Jack. We traveled the country together. He was on my TV show a lot. And he, he was definitely my guy. Matter of fact, I had Elaine Lala on my Zoom call probably three months ago as she was launching Pride and Discipline, the story of Jack Elaine and his evolution of his career and his life. And she said something to me that was just so heartwarming. She said, you know, Clark, Jack really loved you. He, he was so impressed, not only by how you looked, but by how you think and how you treated people. And that's what I learned from him. The way that man thought and the way that man treated other humans was something that I wanted to emulate because he was so thoughtful and so caring and so loving and so engaged. He would listen and make people feel appreciated. And, and that's what we really should do in life. All right. So now let's even hop back a little bit further, because usually if somebody is a person like yourself, big hearted, caring, uh, empathetic, they usually can pinpoint one person that was like that, either mother or father, grandfather, grandmother. Who was that one person that you got that trait from? Mom. 100% my mom. And what are you trying to do, Richard? Make me cry on here? It's, you know, as, as my mom lays in a nursing home waiting to take her last breath in this moment, I can 100% absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt tell you 
that her legacy will live on through me because that's what I watched this woman do in the 70s when it was safe to pick up hitchhikers. Everyone that was on the side of the road, she pulled them over, even fed them. Every kid in our neighborhood, even though we were poor, knew they could walk into our house as long as they respected our home, take out the bread, dip it in the spaghetti sauce, and act like it was theirs. They would get treated like it was her child, yelled at, beat if necessary, or whatever. But that woman loved people unconditionally, regardless of how they looked, what they were wrapped up in, and always taught me, don't ever judge any person because you're no better and they're no worse. I, I love it. And, that, and that, like I said, that's something that I, I really love about you is you're so empathetic that you actually listen to people. And I know plenty of people that know you personally, and they say you probably got one of the biggest hearts of anybody, whether in the fitness industry or without of the fitness industry. So I, I just want to thank you. So now what, co what caused you not to get caught into some of the trappings of the fitness industry? Because a lot of times, you know, I, 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 I used to coach a lot of athletes and they would get to that point where they would just make it to the NPC. And then they decided, I got to go to the dark side. What made you not go to the dark side? So I was at a bodybuilding show one time and backstage there was this kid. Well, I'll even rewind it back further. I don't know if you remember a bodybuilder by the name of James DeMello, very dear friend of mine, one of my mentors, but he was on the cover of a muscle and fitness magazine in the eighties. And I remember sitting there with that magazine with him and Corey Everson on the front cover of it. And it said world's most handsome bodybuilder. And I looked at it, I was rolling a joint on it separating the seeds out of the weed that back then that's how it, it came <laughs> but i remember thinking to myself and i looked at my roommates i'm like i'm better looking than this guy and it was then that i said i want to be on the cover of magazines so then i did a bodybuilding show one time and i saw this kid getting his picture taken by everybody i'm like why are they making such a big deal out of him look at me i'm over here so i had this jealousy and this understanding that it was possible for me to do that if I figured out how to do it. So I started moving in that direction, not really having that success yet, but having some success, enough to be around photographers. And specifically, it was Ralph DeHaan. I was doing a shoot with him, but I was assisting because I wanted to learn both sides of the camera. I thought if I carried his bags, I set up his lights and I watched him shoot other models, I would get insight on how I could become that guy. So I was at a photo shoot one time and he was shooting this bodybuilder. And when they were done, I was cleaning up. And I remember this guy saying to Ralph, as they were shaking hands and leaving, he said, I'll call you the next time I'm in shape. I was like, okay, these guys aren't always ready to be on the magazines. The next time I'm in shape. And it, that rung in my head. So I had to, option at that point in my career, I could have continued down the path and got on everything and became a big bodybuilder if I wanted to. But I was more interested in the modeling and fitness modeling never existed. It wasn't a thing. You were a bodybuilder who took pictures when you were in shape. That was it. So I thought, what if I'm always in shape? What if I tell everybody I'm always in shape? So that's what I started to do. I started telling everybody, hey, I'm Clark Bartram. I'm always in shape. Ralph, I'm always in shape. I'm always in shape. I'm always in shape. And the word got out. 
And then one day, I'll never forget it. This was back in the day of pagers. I had a pager on and I was detailing someone's car. And I got a page from 818 area code. And I lived at the time, it was 619 here in San Diego. I was like, 818? I think that's like LA somewhere. That's Woodland Hills. Wait a minute, that's where Muscle and Fitness is. So I called the number, Muscle and Fitness, can I help you? I'm like, yeah, I just got a page from this number. She said, is it Clark Bartram? I'm like, yeah. She's like, hold on, I'll patch you through to Mr. Chatta. Jim Chatta was the art director for Muscle and Fitness at the time. He picks up the phone. He says, okay, Mr. Always in Shape. I had somebody who wasn't in shape, who I had ready for this photo shoot tomorrow. Can you be at Fullerton Powerhouse Gym tomorrow morning for a photo shoot? I was like, absolutely. So I show up in shape, and Ralph Tahan is there. And he says, dude, I, Jim Chad is here to see you. He never shows up to these shoots. So I walk in. And he said, okay, Mr. Always in Shape, take off your shirt. I got to make sure you're good to go. And they had everybody there. So they placed a bet that I was going to be ready to go. And he had me take off my shirt. And he's like, all right, you look good. And that turned into eight pages in the Muscle and Fitness magazine, which was my really first big deal in a, in a magazine. So, but now, like I said, I, I used to get some bodybuilders ready for shows. I can't mention their names or I don't, I don't want to get sued. Yeah. But. You know, during the off season, they would balloon up to 330, 340 pounds, eating 15,000 calories a day. And then they would be doing three hours of cardio uh, on the treadmill while eating nothing and getting sick. So how did you figure out, OK, I need to eat this much to stay at this weight, to stay at this body? You know, how did you figure back then? There really wasn't this like what we got now, figuring out your macros, weighing everything. Back then in the 80s and you know 90s, it was kind of like, oh, we'll just figure this shit out somehow. And that's what it was. There was one kid in the gym that was really smart. I had super smart. So I went to him for all of my information. And I he had me doing some crazy stuff. Like one time he got me ready for a bodybuilding show. And I still have all of the documentation in my shed out here of what he had me doing for the 1988 Muscle Mania contest. And matter of fact, between prejudging and the night show, he told me, so this is how stupid bodybuilders are. And this is how a bodybuilder will listen to anybody who they believe know is going to help, help them create that much of a difference. He had me go by frozen concentrate orange juice, two things of it, dump it in a bathtub and take a bath in that. And I did it. I don't know why to this day what that did, but I did it. I didn't probably didn't do anything. But anyway, this kid was talking about ATP and, and, and all of these things that we weren't talking about back then. You were eating food and that's it. Desiccated liver was the supplement of choice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then Perillo Performance came along and it was the MCTs. Yeah. And we were all drinking too much and getting stomach aches. So I figured out early to be instinctive. I learned my body and I watched what was going on and I just started to do when I knew what worked for me. And what, what I wanted to be was always in shape, always having abs, always having a portion of physique, even though I wasn't a big guy. And, and, and that was an issue too for me because they told me I would never be on the cover of a magazine because I was not big enough. They said, you're too big for the 
fitness magazines and you're not big enough for the bodybuilding magazines. I won't say the name of that photographer, but he knows who he is, Robert Reef. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I bust his balls every time I see him. He's like, yeah, I know, Clark, hundreds of covers. I just never should have said that to you. But, but you know, even like back then for me, I the people I gravitated to were always the smaller guys. I always liked Lee Labrada. You know, he was good looking, he was, but he also had a nice shape. Bob Paris wasn't a mass monster, but always looked good. Um, so now, Zane. huh? Frank Zane. Oh, well, he's yeah. he's the originator, you know. He yeah. so now, you know, but obviously, you're a young guy at that point, you had to enjoy life a little bit. So I'm sure you had a piece of cake now and then. I'm sure you had a little a little drink here and there. So how did how did you keep everything in check while also enjoying life at the same time? So oddly enough, I didn't. Back then, man, I was so strict. My wife, I can remember early in our marriage and her family not understanding me at all because everywhere I went, I showed up with my own Tupperware. I would drink, you know, occasionally here and there. So that was a thing that I did. But regarding food and training, I was not missing. I was on. And I think it was probably, man, when I hit 50 that I started to lighten up and, and say, I want to enjoy life. Now that I'm on the back nine, I want to be someone who can eat the pizza or go to the family function and not go, oh, no, I can only eat my Tupperware and offend everybody that I was around. Because now I'm starting to travel the world and there's different cultures. And if you don't eat the dessert mm -hmm. in a Hispanic family's home, you're being yeah. disrespectful. If you don't take everything in China that's coming around the table that's spinning, you're being disrespectful. So culturally, I learned to understand, like, I'm not that important. And if I'm somewhere, I can't show up with Tupperware and disrespect an entire room because I want one more ounce of leanness on my body. You know, I was like, OK, I'm done with that. That's just maturity on my part. I think I started to realize I was a douchebag. <laughs> All right. So I want, to, I want to dig deep into that, uh, talking about, you know, getting and staying healthy after 50. But first, I want to thank our sponsors. As you guys, like I said, I was with GNC for 30 years. I always loved pre-workouts. I love coffee. But I couldn't find one that was good for me. So I actually made my own coffee. It's called Vertical Momentum Coffee. Twice the amount of caffeine, twice the taste, no crash. But the best part is 100% of the proceeds go to help veterans struggling with homelessness and PTSD. So if you guys drink coffee and if you love a mission, check out Vertical Man to Coffee. Also, if you guys ever want to have a show on StreamYard, they're actually going to throw you some cash to start your own show. So if you guys ever want to start a show, check out, me, check out us on StreamYard. But now let me ask you a question, Clark, because, you know, a lot of the guys that are listening to this, when we were in the military, whether we were drunk, whether we were hungover, we were still going to do our PT. We were still getting out there running every morning. Didn't matter if we how what shape we were in, we still ran. And then when we when we retire 44, 45 years old, now we don't have that mission anymore. Now we don't have that guy getting us up anymore. And a lot of us, like myself, fall out of shape. We gain 30, 40 pounds can become pre-diabetic, high cholesterol. And a lot of us, when we turn 50, like when I turned 50, the day I turned 50, shit just started to change. I don't know if it's just the, the word 50, but it just seemed like my whole mindset and started to change. So talk to us about, you know, what you do when you talk to men 
that are in my position or like me when they're 50, 45, 50 years old, just retiring and have to get back in shape because they want to live to hit 70. So what you just said a minute ago, Richard, is 100% accurate with regards to how we look at the age of 50. We've been taught, especially those of us who are over 50, that 50 is old, that after 50, you can't do that. That was the examples that we had growing up. It wasn't possible to get in shape. Oh, you're over the hill. You can't do this. So our framework for this age that came up upon us so quickly is distorted. It's wrong. It's completely misguided 100%. Absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt. I don't care who you put in front of me. They could have a PhD. They could have all the science they want. If they sit here and try and tell me that after the age of 50, it's not possible to do anything, I'm going to tell them you're stupid, go back to school or get away from school because your belief in what is possible with this human body is completely wrong. So that's the first thing I get people to do is shift the way they look at the age that they've become and understand that if you move thoughtfully through a process, several processes actually, which I teach five principles, and you do it thoughtfully without jumping into the deep end of the pool and acting like you're back in the military or back in college football or back in high school wrestling, you're not there. You're a man who's invested many decades into your business. Now you're interested in regaining some health, earning back some years. I know for a fact, because I do it every single day, that you can. So that's the number one thing right here. So what I teach is mindset. That was that. Meals, we all know that eating, right? Movement, here's a big one, community. Because what you just described, I don't have the guy waking me up. You know what every single man I coach has waking them up? Me, every day. I'm on here and I am in my WhatsApp group. I will play right now for you the message that went out this morning to my guys. Let's go, boys. Let's make it a great day. This is the day that the Lord has made. And I will be glad to rejoice in it. Heading up to train with the Titan. Gonna go see my godson, Simona, and then be back here before 10:30 a.m. to do a podcast. So let's just make it a great day, man. Sevens and above. That's all you gotta do. Keep up the great work. I'm proud of you. Make it a great day. Every day, my guys wake up to that. So the community that I've created with that, they are now accountable to a group because that's what we're all missing. When we leave the military, when we leave a sports team, we're missing the locker room. We're missing the barracks. We're missing the the BSing. That's why I drove two hours this morning to go to Gold's Gym. You know what happened to me the whole time? I got harassed. And I looked at Mona, Michael Hearn's wife, and said, why do I drive two hours to get harassed by these guys? Because they harass me and that keeps me going. That's what we as men want. We want that ribbing from our buddy. We want our buddy to talk trash to us. And that keeps us going. So then the final one of the five principles is integrity. If we're living our life with integrity, knowing that we're doing our best to be our best, and we're not carrying around lies and BS and crap that holds us down and causes us to have a poor mindset, eat bad food because we feel guilty, not exercise, Because it's like, oh, what's the use? You know what I mean? And then hide from our community. 
Now it's the complete opposite. So when you do those, and you heard me say sevens or above. So every one of those guys wakes up, sends me a text message with five numbers. And they are to help me understand how they're doing in each one of those principles. If it's below a seven, I message him, Richard, bro, what's up? Why are you at a four in community? I'll tell you why. Because you haven't been in the group. You haven't posted your video. You didn't do your 100 push-ups today. Where you at? You know, I call you out. <laughs> and by the way, I love Mr. Michael Hearn. An amazing dude. I just had one of our friends, Jimmy Bluff. That's his per that his Cairo. He gets the gifts. He gets them, keeps them healthy. And if you don't know Michael Hearn, you guys need to know him. Great guy, great person. I think even better person than bodybuilder. That's just my opinion, anyway. He really is, and he's he's a very misunderstood guy because outside of when he's at an event, which he is the best when he's around his fans, he's a pretty yeah. private guy. You know, he just kind of sticks to himself. But if you approached him in the gym, he would stop his workout, take a photo, talk to you, listen to you. He really is a solid human. And, you know, and that's why we've been friends for over 30 years. We first met each other in 1989. We competed against each other in the natural Mr. California. He won, but, you know. And he was also American Gladiator when the show was on stuff. So. Yeah. All right. So now. I think something that you really said is you talk about is accountability because a lot of times, you know, we really don't realize all the shit that we're putting in our body until we write it down and start looking at it. Then you're like, damn, I really am eating a lot of shit. But even like, you know, even the Bible says you, you can't have, you can't have a business until you know what your inventory is. So talk to us about that, about, you know, when you first start working with a guy, tell him, listen, you need to be honest with me and tell me all the crap that you're eating or else I can't help you. So right after this, Richard, I'm doing a Zoom call with a new guy that just signed up who is exactly what I described. I can share his video with you, but I won't. He just said, I've achieved everything I've wanted in life. I've got all the money I need. I'm a successful businessman. I have a wonderful marriage. I have amazing kids. I have grandkids. But I don't have the body I want because I like sweet food. I like savory food. I like this and that and other thing. And I watch this video and I'm like, okay, I have a, a, a discernment that's part of the gifting that I have that I referred to earlier, like how and why I got into this. It's because how I was created. So when we do our Zoom call, I'm going to ask him, first of all, how do you like to be coached? How can I be a servant leader? How do you like to be coached? And most of these guys will say, just be honest with me. I'm like, all right, you said it. It's on recording. And I'm going to be honest with you when it's time to be honest. And I'm going to call you out when it's time. Typically, these guys fall victim to what I refer to as the witching hour. Do great all day. Six o'clock hits, beers, chips, bullshit. They know they shouldn't be eating. So what I do is I get into their head and we start talking about why are you eating these things? What happens in those moments? And we just get into a deep discussion. And what I like to do is demystify the fitness part by elevating the human part. No one needs to come to me to learn how to walk on a treadmill or not eat carbohydrates. We all know, okay, do that long enough, you're going to lose weight. But what I like to do is have a relationship with these guys to where they open up and start revealing some of the things that they've held back because we all have trauma 
And those are the things that cause self-sabotage is what a lot of these guys refer to it as. And when that happens, I'm like, oh, okay, now we're getting somewhere. You said, be honest. And then I just, you know, we lean into the conversation and go deeper. Now the treadmill is not that big of a deal because we're not carrying the weight. So you serve veterans and, and like when you connected with that, because you're like, yeah, I know. These are the guys I deal with, yeah. right? So trauma is all in different levels. The guys that have more are going to deal with that kind of stuff more. So we're all just humans trying to figure this process out. Well, one thing that I said, somebody that you're, you're still coaching, I can't, can't use his name, but he says, you're the, you're the one guy that will yell, him, yell, at, yell at him at the gym, but will pray with him in the parking lot. There you go. And I think that says a lot because a lot of guys, you know, a person can yell at me. I, I'm good with that. But when you start getting into my feelings, that's a whole different story. And I think when you're a coach, there's a trust. And once you build that trust, I think the coach-client relationship becomes more of a mentor relationship. You know what I mean? So, so is that what you do? That's exactly what I do. You know, you earn the trust by being the guy that does what you're asking someone to do. I always say I lead from my feet, not from the seat. I'm not relying on magazine covers from 20 years ago to say, hey, I'm this guy. I'm that guy now. I mean, I could take my shirt off today because you know what? Clark Bartram is still ready today to be on the cover of a magazine. You know, I mean, it's it's all there. It, it's not photoshopped. It's not lighting. It's consistent effort that's being put forth so when a guy comes to me and trusts me with his hard-earned money to guide him he's going to get someone who's legitimately doing this stuff and wants to share that with him because i want that for him too the greatest thing that i see is when men finally have that breakthrough moment and they go wow i wasted so many years being locked up in a body that I wasn't happy with when it wasn't as hard as I made it out to be. And being vulnerable is a big part. And no man wants to be vulnerable, but that's what I show. I show vulnerability. I tell the truth about everything that's going on in my life to these guys. Sometimes to the point of, man, Clark, you didn't need to tell us all that. I'm like, I don't care. I, I don't care. You know, I got nothing to hide from you. All right. So now like, I, ha I had a great meetup with a gentleman you might have heard of his name was Gary Vaynerchuk. And I said, you know, he started this whole podcast with me and all that. But I said, Gary, I want you to give me something that will change my life. And he said, Rich, your legacy will always be more valuable than your currency. And that's when I started to think, what kind of legacy am I leaving my children? my grandchildren, or the relationships that I make in this lifetime. So, you know, when you said, you know, at 50, sometimes you feel like you're at the backside of the back nine, but also it felt like at 50, I wasn't creating my legacy, where now I feel like I'm creating a legacy. Can you please talk about creating legacy? Yeah, I think oftentimes legacy is created without even the thought of creating a legacy. I think that's when true legacy is created. It's not like you're waking up trying to. You're just waking up in being. And part of your being is leaving the legacy of who you are as a person. And that's the beauty of the aging process is 
Me and Mike were talking about it this morning. And I was talking about it with somebody else on a earlier thing that I was on. The maturity aspect of who we are, we let go of a lot of the ego that we had when we were younger because we've been through more crap. We've experienced more trauma. We've made all the money. We've lost all the money. We've had successful relationships. We've had failed relationships. We've done the right things. We've done the wrong things. And finally, we're over ourselves. We're like, I am no longer impressed. That's what it was. There's a guy, a Navy SEAL guy, an Australian Navy SEAL guy that got eaten by a shark. And I asked him to speak on my Zoom call. He's like, dude, I'm so over that. I'm so, I said, why? He goes, because I'm tired of myself. <laughs> he goes, I'm tired of speaking about myself. So I could see like this desire to say, here, who's, here's who I am is gone. And that's really where I'm at. So I'm just left with me being who I was created to be. And that's just loving people. And when you love people, you're going to leave a legacy because you're going to have an impact on them. So that to me is the, is the way, at least for me, you know, obviously your kids are going to be there because they're experiencing you most. I'll tell you the, the honest to God truth right now, the best impact I'm having in my life, my wife is struggling right now emotionally. She's at a place in her life where we can't figure out what's going on. And I, I got to dig in right now. And she's thanking me. Oh, thank you. And I'm like, why are you thanking me? Why? This is what I'm, a husband's supposed to do. And, and my son is seeing this in that. It's not me saying, hey, look at what I'm doing for your mom. I'm such a good guy. I'm, I'm loving her when she's unlovable or I'm whatever. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Because I can remember Deacon Ken Finn marrying us saying in 30 years from now, when the looks wear off, and, you know, how are you going to be? Well, 30 years went by like that. And I can see that man's face today saying that, and I'm living it right now, today. <laughs> you know, and that, that, that brings me back to when I first started doing what I do. You know, my wife had a, a breakdown, you know, and she looked at me and said, you know, Rich, you're helping these people all over the world, but you're not even helping the person that's sitting across the table from you. And, and that kind of just, it was like a big smack in the mouth. And I'm like, all right, I get it. You know? So I think I started to build my uh, legacy from my house out instead of my outside in. So I, last couple of questions. We've all seen, I'm not going to name the, the product because I'm not about to get sued, but it used to be the number one product at GNC. Uh, always talking about test boosting and all that. Um, you know, just take this pill and your test is going to be high and you're going to get the hot girl. It's not like yeah, that. They have Hall of Fame quarterbacks and Hall of Fame baseball hitters talking about yeah. it. So now, you know, if a guy wants to get in shape after 50, you know, is nutrition and habits way more important than taking that product from off the shelf? Their product, my product, anybody's product. Product supplements are exactly what they are named. Supplemental to what you should be doing. And that's what Jack LaLanne taught me more than anything. I remember him looking at me straight in the face. Clark, if man made it, don't eat it. You want your food to come from the ground. And, you know, he just went on and on about that. And that, so it goes back to my principles. Everyone says, hey, Nutrition is the single most important thing. I don't agree at all. Single is not 
or nutrition is not the single most important thing because if your mind is not set to eat whatever type of meal plan you decided is the best for you based upon a five-minute Google search, how to lose weight, you're never going to stick with it for longer than a week, two weeks, three weeks, 12 weeks, maybe if you're a badass and you can really dig in. Because the truth is, if we were disciplined enough outside of really conditioning our minds, there would be a thousand people running up and down the street that started last January, the January before that, the January before that, when they did a New Year's resolution to run up and down the street because January 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, I'm going to see five new people that I've never seen run up and down my street. But a couple of weeks later, they're going to be gone. Diets are the same. But what do we got to do differently? We have to set our mind by determining our why and then having an anchor that keeps us when it gets hard, when we plateau, when we ebb, when we flow, and all that sort of thing. And look, we're all in this together. I don't have all this figured out. I have the same problems. And I've just been having enough repetitions in my life that I've gotten a little bit better at it than other people who haven't had the same amount of repetitions as I've had. You know, that's something I just did a post, you know, you know, talking about Aaron Judge, you know, everybody thinks that he's this, uh, you know, a wonderkind. People don't realize he's 32 years old. He started playing baseball at 10. So he, he took him all these years to become an overnight sensation, you know. And like my friend Ed Milet put a brand new book out talking about one more rep. You know, you got to put in one more if you want to be successful. So um, tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Tell us about about your company and what you got and your new coaching. Tell us about that. So Maximized Man Elite is the name of my program. And Bedros Cooling really kind of coached me to this place and pushed me through some of my upper limit beliefs in my life as to what is possible as a business model. He said, Clark, you need to be doing high ticket coaching with high achieving men. There are men out there that need someone like you that are willing to pay a certain amount of money that you don't believe you're worth yet, but you need to believe you're worth it. And I'm going to make you believe you're worth it because the reality is you are worth it because I know who you are and what you do. So he made me believe that that was possible before I left my coaching session with him. And guys like Ed Milet would say the same thing. And guys like Gary Vee would sit me down and say the same thing and go, why aren't you a $300 million business right now? It's because I had a limiting belief that wouldn't allow me. So I played the small game for the longest time. So now I'm out of that. And I'm like, okay, you're out there. I'm here. I just have to bridge the gap. Find the, find the need, fill the need, close the sale, right? So now I'm out there putting myself out on TikTok, Instagram, and all of these different places saying, listen up, man over 50 who's out of shape that won't take your shirt off at the pool. You got everything in the world, but the body that you want, you know what I can help you get? The body that you want. You know why? Because I got it. I live it. I've learned it. And I am great at teaching it because I actually care about you. And I do want to help you. And I'll get in the trenches with you. And we'll make it happen together. So that closes and then they engage in that business is now starting to really become something that's scalable and something that I can walk off into the horizon with for the rest of my life because 
as an entrepreneur, you know it. I mean, after we leave something that's secure or whatever, we wake up each day. We got to figure this out. We got, how am I going to make a buck? What am I going to do today? And I'm no longer ashamed, embarrassed, or afraid to say I make a buck helping people be their absolute best, man. I help people get busy living because here's the reality. I got this in here for a reason. You know who I saw this? Gary V. I saw Gary V. had a poster like this. I copied it. I had it custom painted for me. This is my birth date right here down the side. That the ticket number is my birthday. Way down here it says, get busy living. I got that from Shawshank Redemption. Because the end of that thing is, or get busy dying. Yep. And limit one per person. That's where I'm a reminder every day of why I wake up and do what I do. So. All right. So we talked about supplements. Uh, do you have your own brand? I do. Clark Bartram Systems. You know, just regular stuff like anybody else has. Look, at some point. We all private label the same stuff. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm making proprietary stuff. You can't get anywhere. Protein's protein. How much do you want to pay and do you like the taste? You know this after being in the industry forever. It's really, it, it. I heard someone talking the other day, just get protein. Doesn't matter if it's isolate, concentrate, just get a protein that you're going to. But ideally, get it from food. Get it from good food. If you can't get grass-fed beef, just get beef, you know? So, look, we overcomplicate this stuff, and we act like we're doing something different than everybody else. Here's the truth, people. We're not. Nobody out there has anything that's going to be the magic pill or potion or gadget or gimmick for you. It takes work. And it all starts with your mindset going, man, this is my life. I'll tell you one quick story. I had a lady named Sally that I met. She was on my TV show, American Health and Fitness. I walked into the wardrobe trailer. To the right, six hot fitness models trying on their outfits. Oh, my God, this makes me look fat. This and that and the other thing. I said, I don't want to be around that. I go down to the left, Sally, four feet 11, about 200 pounds, cooking chicken and vegetables. And I'm like, Sally, that looks great. She looked me directly in my soul. The Bible says the eyes are the window of the soul. She said, Clark, listen to this, everybody. Clark. This is the body that God gave me, and I'm going to live in it healthy. I love it. And, you know, I had one of my best friends is Mark Lazier from Nutribio. Um, I've had Jimmy Mentis come on the show, Franco San- Santoriello. <laughs> and they all said the same thing. Try to get most of your food from your food, most of your proteins from your food, because that's the, the best form of any kind of protein is actual food. Now, I'm going to ask you a question because this is the last question I'm going to ask you that you probably don't get asked on a lot of podcasts. And I think that's what makes our show a little bit different. Um, and I might be wrong. I might be off. But I believe God's speaking to me. And he's, he's saying, you know, there's a lot of people that are watching this. They're not close to God anymore. And I believe that they say that if, if you don't feel close to God, you're the one that moved. So I believe that you have a strong relationship with him. If there's somebody out there right now struggling with their faith, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start to find some peace? Move closer to God. You just said it. If you feel away from God, it's because you moved away. God didn't move away from you. You moved away from God because you're embarrassed, ashamed, afraid. Adam was all of those. He hid from God. So The easiest thing is to move back towards God. How do you do that? Right now, you don't need to get on your knees. You don't need to do anything. 
sit up and just say, God, I'm sorry, I'm here. What do I do? What's next? I promise you that answer will be revealed because I don't fit the job description. Richard doesn't fit the job description. God fits the job description. And all you got to do is open up your heart, like with a desire to have closeness. And I promise you, it will come. And Mike asked me this earlier today. He said, Clark, what if someone's really depressed? What if they're having a hard time waking up? What if they're, sometimes it's one small, simple little move, man. It's taking a shower, washing your ass and your armpits and, and just being fresh and clean. We can't make big moves sometimes. It's impossible. And for us to say, oh, you got to do this, you got to do that. That's completely disrespectful. So that's what I'm saying. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. That's what the word says. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. So what does that imply? You make the first move. I love it, brother. Clark, I just want to say thank you, brother. It's been such an honor to be able to just sit and chat and talk. I'm so grateful for you and for your friendship. And thank you for everything you do for men over 50. Because I really think that men over 50 are the forgotten people. Because, you know, now all these Instagram models and, you know, they're, wor they're worried about, you know, people 18 to 34. But I think the people in their 50s are the ones that are getting lost and are dying early. So I just want to thank you for doing what you do. I love it, brother. I absolutely love it, man. So thank you for having me here. You got me all fired up. Now I'm going to go into the Zoom call with my new client. He's going to get me at full speed, man. <laughs> That's it, brother. Uh, so guys, make sure you check him out. His Instagram account is fire. I absolutely love it. Make sure you check him out on LinkedIn, on Facebook. He's doing a lot of amazing things. Clark, thank you so much, brother. And I can't wait to see what you have coming up. All right, guys, remember vertical momentum. The only way to go is butt up. I love you guys. Clark, have an amazing weekend, brother. All right, brother. Hey guys, if you're enjoying our show, if you love what we're doing, if you would like to support us, we have a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. We have a brand new t-shirt line that's coming out. Hats, coffee mugs, any kind of swag that lets your friends know that you support Vertical Momentum and you're always looking to get better. Also, we have our new coffee brand, coming out. It's called Vertical Momentum Coffee. It's ass-kicking coffee, and, and it, will, it will get you moving in the morning. So guys, if you're interested, go to www.richardkaufman.net. Check us out. Leave us a note. Tell us what you'd like, and we'll actually send it to you. The new website is being built. So if you guys want to our book is out there on Amazon. It's called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. Definitely check it out. It talks about my story, but it also talks about how to survive depression, how to survive addiction. All right, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting our mission, which is to save lives.